Hi, welcome to the Dirty Lie Podcast, a podcast about facts, figures, and weird things from the past. I'm your host, Dez, and I'm here with my co-host, TMT. What's good, guys? Um, on this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about some really special women. Um, I was looking at history and um, fact and also some mythos, some legend. You know, I think that's my favorite thing about historical figures is that like you hear all these incredible things they did mm. and then you hear things they might have done and then you hear things that they definitely didn't do but it's still nice to hear mm. so um before we get into the facts i'm going to talk a little bit about our subjects for the episode so we're talking about women we're talking about women it's inter international women's day yes this week this week and um Tim Tyler is running the episode. Because that's just the kind of podcast we are. (laughs) (laughs) Where nothing makes sense. And he's going to be talking about some women. So he's refused to give me any context. Any context, anything. Uh, You ready? Yeah, let's go. Now, Joan of Arc was a French heroine Mm. who led the French army to several important victories during the Hundred Years' War. She claimed to have received visions from God that inspired her to lead the French to victory against the English. Yes. Yes? Yeah. Queen Amina of Zazao. Queen Amina was a warrior queen of Zazao Kingdom in present-day Nigeria during the 16th century. She was known for her military, her military prowess and her strategic leadership, leading her armies into battle and expanding the kingdom's territory. Yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Augustina de, Arag- de Aragon hmm. was a Spanish heroine who fought in the Spanish War of Independence against Napoleon's army. She's known for her bravery and leadership during the siege of Zaragoza, where she reportedly single-handedly defended a breach in, his, in the city's walls. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that, and also, funny fun fact, um, Augustina was the inspiration for Aragon. Lord of the Rings. Uh, if you're also, if you're like a Tolkien, you know, person, his name is from her name. Interesting. Yeah. So. Are you ready for some facts? Potential facts? Potential dirty lies? I'm really worried because I now see that disgrace is building. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I promise it's not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing anything crazy as far as these um, facts go. Yeah, because of the intros, like I know, I know these lovely ladies. Mm-hmm. Fact or non-fact or legend or non-legend. Hey, God. Queen Amina had a special power that allowed her to communicate with spirits and seek and seek guidance from the gods. Mm. This power was said to have bestowed was said to have been bestowed upon her by a magical snake which she encountered during her one of her military camp- campaigns. Mm. Should I say that again? No, I got it. Mm. Queen Amina, magical powers, snake. Oh, yeah. Spirits. <laughs> yeah. So that's true or false? Um Joan of Arc. Legend has it that before Joan of Arc led the French army to victory, she traveled to the town of St. Catherine de Fébois, where she had a vision of the archangel Michael. In the vision, he told her to look for a sword buried in the ground behind the altar of the church of St. Catherine. Mm. Yes or no? True or false? 
I keep saying true or false because you're used to trivia now. Yeah. Give me the third fact, Joe. Third fact. <laughs> um, Augustina de Aragon, also known of, also known as Augustina de Aragon, was a Spanish heroine. Remember, we spoke about her. Mm. And um, let's get into like a weird fact or rumor about her that mm. I have uncovered in my search is such as. During the siege of Zaragoza, Augustina was stationed at one of the city's gates when she saw a vision of the Virgin Mary. The Virgin Mary reportedly appeared to her and told her that she would help the Spanish forces defeat the French. So, which of these is fact? Which of these is fiction? Okay. Um, I'm going to run with it like this. Yeah. The person I know the least about is mm. Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to say that that's true. That's true? Yeah. Okay. Um, second person I know about is... Well, she's one I know the least about. I think I know I know some things about Joan of Arc and mm. some things about Queen Amina. Yeah. Um, now... I like it's also between Queen Amina and Joan of Arc. Yes. Yeah, like, so Joan of Arc herself i think is a saint now or yeah, something she was so um matter hmm? a matron matter matron matthew 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 m-a-t-y-r-r-b-l-l-l matthew no you know the word where it's like someone that dies for their beliefs matridom oh martyred martyred yeah 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 she's martyred martyred um just a word i've never learned to pronounce Ma- yeah, I yeah. mean, I have a few of those. My tongue has been colonized enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, Queen Amina, I'll say that's the lie. Zazu. I would say the Queen Amina one is the lie. Mm. That's my. That's your. That's your dirty lie. Take. That's my dirty lie. Take yes. Um, listen, Des. Obviously, you're one of my favorite people on the planet. You inspire me to be a better man every day. But today, you've been wrong. I was wrong. You were wrong. I was wrong. You were wrong. Whose own was false? Joan of Arc. Um, Joan of Arc was basically... Uh, basically, Joan of Arc had the vision, right? Mm. But um, the sword wasn't buried in the altar. The sword was buried behind the church. There was a different little section. I want all our listeners to just listen to what this boy did. Yeah. Because. Because you do it all the time. No. Yeah. And that's from the best. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. Because the way I will pay you back for this. I don't twist those type of twisty details. It was buried in the in the in the back of the church and not in are you like for the Amina one should have said, Oh, it wasn't a snake, it was a boar. Yeah. That that is even better. That's not better. It's better. Come in. I change the location. You change an animal. That's better because you'd have heard. Okay. Because I know about Joan of Arc, you know, vision, yeah. all of that. Like I knew that was true. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you changed that tiny, tiny detail. Yeah. You changed that tiny detail. Yeah. But also, you know, the Amina thing was. Um, she did get a vision, but it was from like a bunch of different animals, not just a snake. So it's technically true, but it's not like... It's a bunch of different animals at the same time. At the same time? Yeah. 
Augustina de Aragon, also known as Augustina, was a Spanish heroine who played a significant role in the Spanish War of Independence against Napoleon's forces. Not Napoleon again. Ah, no, you have to. You know, the, the thing is, like, my, one of my favorite things about this pod we do is that if someone were to take it and transcribe the episodes to write a TV show, it would work so well because there's so much overlap mm. between a lot of the characters. Mm. Um, yeah, so, you know, she fought in the War of Independence against Napoleon's forces in the 19th century. Augustine was born in the city of Rios in northeastern Spain in 1786. She was raised in a military family and received military training from her father, who was a captain in the Spanish army. Fantastic. You know, I, I think a lot, because you see it a lot in movies and TV shows, and you're always like, okay, yeah, but if your dad was a general, he wouldn't train you. He would train the boys. But then with the girls, mm. he would like, you know, he'd let the women handle, help, bring in, maybe they would teach her to sew or whatever. But like, this thing happens so often in history. Bro. Like, so many women that went on to be like badasses and did this and that. It was because, obviously, like, they're mostly raised by their moms make no mistake but when it comes to military stuff a lot of them like war military like just like fighting a lot of them are trained by their dads yeah no. even um Njinga. yeah Njinga. But, i mean i found i find this fascinating because it's not like okay i understand like maybe something like self-defense right mm. a woman is always going to need to know how to defend herself yeah. in the world in the world we live in and the world they lived in but this guy is like a captain in the army. Why is he teaching his six-year-old daughter about military st- tactics and strategies? Because you want your child to be better than you. And 100%. You give, and also because he probably saw her and recognized her talent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I love when parents foster the natural talent in their child. That they see. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But it's also very fascinating because he's also training her for a world that doesn't exist yet. A world where she can she's leading other men into battle and all of that. See, yeah. every single world that can exist mm-hmm. will exist. I agree with that. If you prefer, as as my people say, stay ready so you ain't gotta get ready. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair enough. Stay ready so you ain't gotta get ready. Is that is that what Benin people say? Uh-huh. Is that what Benin people say? My other people. Your other know. people. Fair enough. Okay. Um, so her dad trained her yeah he trained her um obviously we know where she would go but let's talk about how she got there after her dad's training you know military training from a captain in the spanish army is nothing to laugh at Mm. she eventually married a soldier and she moved into the city of zaragoza where she would become a central figure in the city's defense against the french bam 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 in June 1806, Napoleon's forces invaded Spain and the city of Zaragoza became a key battleground in the conflict. 
Augustina was present during the siege of the city and became famous for her bravery and her leadership during the during the defense. Now, using her father's training and knowledge, she figured out key strategic points to place soldiers, um, traps to lay for incoming forces, and how to maximize the use of the few amounts of soldiers they had against the massive wave of French incoming soldiers. Mm. So basically, she was putting soldiers in positions where one person, because he was an strategic person, one or two soldiers would be able to hold out against like 14 people. Mm. You know? Yeah. High ground, low ground. So she was doing... Yeah. I would like to say, I don't know this lady, so I'm making this up, but I'm going to say that she took her father's training and her mother's sense. Mm-hmm. Making food stretch. Uh, no. For making, the long winters. No. Yes. I, I think, like, so I find, like, this happens quite often with women, is that, um, uh, well, you see that, like, I, I mean, like, use myself, for example, but whatever. I take a lot from my dad, right? And people always give my dad the credit uh for like how i am as like like my knowledge right politics and history and stuff Mm -hmm. and that's like fair because my dad like reads a lot and talks about these things a lot whatever but my mom really 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 deserves this credit for me the natural ability (laughs) to be able to take it information because she's the person that was sitting down at home with me now yeah and she was the person that was making me write book like my dad made me write book reports as a kid really really strange but my mom is the one who brought all the encyclopedias into the house mm. so so she helped you like she basically provided you with the means to process all the information that your dad was then feeding me <laughs> yes so i i imagine that like you know i'm just saying it's because of this no, it's, it's, it's say, important i think it's actually heroes i like people. oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's my me i'm argon <laughs> <laughs> So she's done because, because like obviously you're telling her dad was a captain, but what she's doing now is some intelligent. No, no, work, this is general. Some level. tactical, yeah. like this. Ge- this is general. This level. general level yeah. work now. I mean, she she surpassed her daddy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, captains were taught tactics, you mm. know, but they weren't really taught. Improvising is general's work. Yeah. Captains, um, you do what you're told by yeah. other people, and. According to legend, Augustina was stationed at a cannon where her husband was killed by French soldiers. In response, she took up her husband's musket and began firing at the enemy, inspiring the the Spanish troops to rally around her and fight back against the invaders. She also reportedly used her apron to put out the fuse of a French grenade, saving the lives of several Spanish soldiers in the process. What? Tell me that's not one of the most beautiful things you ever heard. What? She was fighting a war in her cooking clothes. Like she was probably <laughs> like no, she took no, off they her don't. Apron. They, they probably mean a military apron. They don't mean a cooking Do you reckon? Apron. Yes. I don't. Uh, maybe. Do I like, record that she wasn't like she was? <laughs> that is Tempter, please. Oh my god! I'm, in my head, I'm imagining her like just in, in a, a full co- on like it looks like just like. Oh, she was. She just popped out the kitchen. Yeah, like oh, I guess we're gonna fight a war, guys. So like, that's not a Spanish accent. Um, don't do it don't do it don't don't mm. my amigos oh. <laughs> no I'm kidding 
But yeah, she did um, put out. So she saved lives. She watched her husband die. And she is a badass. But it's also like the fact that like her husband was killed. And she started, she she didn't go crazy. She didn't lose control. She was obviously grieving. But she just picked up his weapon, started firing back. And she inspired all these guys around her Mm. to just not give up. Yeah. And, um, you know, she saved people's lives with the grenade. So it's not even like it's this like blaze of glory where she's trying to go out and Mm. she's still thinking about lives and she's being ingenious and inventive. Um, Augustina's heroism and leadership during the siege of Zaragoza made her a symbol of Spanish resistance against Napoleon's forces. She was celebrated in songs, poems, stories, and became a popular icon of Spanish Spanish patriotism. Spanish. <laughs> After the war, Augustina received several honors and awards for her bravery and leadership, including the Cross of San Fernando. Uh-huh. Which is like, you know, like the Spanish version of the Medal of Honor, the Presidential Medal of Honor, yeah. Um, one of Spain's highest military honors. Today, she's remembered as a national hero in Spain, and her legacy continues to inspire generations of Spaniards. Okay, cool. so who do you want to hear about next? We've done Augustina, we still have Amina, and we have um, Joan of Arc. I'm going to save Amina for that. <laughs> Best for last, because I don't hear about how a whole bunch of animals are talking to her. <laughs> Uh, so we can talk about Joan of Arc who I know about Joan of Arc is one of the first movies I watched on DSTV who was in the DSTV Joan of Arc you watched was it Kate Blanchard or it must have been Kate yeah I don't remember seeing like I just I don't remember seeing a solid Joan of Arc narrative because her story always seemed really sad to me but it's also one of the Arthurian. I feel like it's part of like the King Arthur um, basis mythos, like the sources for that sort of story, where the hero goes on a quest and they're told to go somewhere, pick up the sword that's here. It's kind of like reminiscent of Excalibur and stuff like that. The sword in the stone. It's Milajovic. Milajovic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the journal. That's my journal work. It's in Resident Evil. You you think um, Joan of Arc is a sad story? I think any martyrdom is inherently, yeah. inherently sad. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, let's, get, let's get into some Joan of Arc. Yeah? Okay, okay. Joan of Arc, also known as the Maid of Orleans, was a Orleans. Orleans? It's not Orleans. It's New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, that's Americans. Do they, do they say it the same way as the French? The French. Something to think about. But let's call it New Orleans. Uh, the maid of Orleans was a French heroine who lived during the Hundred Years' War between mm. France and England in the 15th century. Right? Yes. Um, she was born in 1412 in the village of Dom Remy in northeastern France and grew up in a time of political turmoil and conflict. As a young girl, Joan reportedly began hearing voices of saints and angels who told her that she had been chosen by God to lead the French army to victory over the English. At the age of 16, she traveled to the city of Chinon to meet with the Dauphin of France, Charles VI. You were looking at me, you expected me to know. 
I read the Roman numerals and I was looking at you while my head processed it to translate <laughs> it. Charles the Sixth was the king of France. Yeah. So and again, it is not Charles the Sixth. The is it seventh? It is the seventh. Okay. You can't read. So I did um, not pronounce. No, I, you can't read in Roman. So V is five. V I is six. And V I I is seven. Is so it's Charles seven. the seventh. You're right. Um, yeah. At the age of again, like forget the Charles we're talking about. She, she was, was 16. sixteen. At the yeah. age of sixteen, she traveled to the China to meet with the Dauphin of France, Charles the seventh, and convinced him to let her lead his armies. Mm-hmm. This man said, "Yeah, sure, why not? Let's see how it goes." Really? Yeah. Joan mm-hmm. wore men's clothing and armor. Yeah. And was which was highly unusual for a woman of her time, and led the French to several important victories, including the lifting of the siege of Orleans. Orleans. I don't know. She was instrumental in the coronation of Charles the Seventh as the King of France. However, dum dum dum. Joan's success was short-lived. She was captured by the English in 1430 and put on trial for heresy, since her claims of receiving divine guidance were seen as heretical by the church. Despite her eloquent defense, which was found guilty, despite her eloquent defense, she was found guilty and burned at the stake in 1431 at the age, age of, of 19. 19. Yes. John so, is remembered. Well, you want to go? You want to say something? Yeah, before you talk about how she's remembered, because I don't want people to miss this. Yeah. She was clean. He said she was a heretic because of her visions, but also because she was dressing like a man. Man, yeah. Um, her coarse dressing was topic of a lot of the uh, articles of accusations against her during trial mm-hmm. like her dressing her cross dressing was used to justify her execution mm-hmm. and again the fr- the french were fine they, she was leaning she was giving that she was putting numbers on the board so they loved it but the english who she was destroying the wars were like oh it's, it's, it's sad it, it, I mean, it I, is I, I, I take comfort in the fact that she was captured by the enemy side in a war, and they were probably going to kill her anyway. But mostly because she was a woman. Not even like the thing is beyond the cross dressing and the visions that they called heresy. They were going to kill her because she was a woman and she was help. She was helping the enemy side defeat them in wars. If she was a man, they would have probably kept him as a political. They would have either killed him or kept him as a prisoner to trade for some lowly English earl or something like that. Yeah. But Joan wasn't noble. You understand what I'm saying? So she had to die. They had to make her a symbol of their domination. But it backfired, didn't it? It did. Because now we speak about Joan of Arc today. Mm hmm. Joan, um, you know, she she's remembered as a symbol of French patri- um, patriotism and heroism, as well as a figure of religious devotion. She was canonized as a saint by the Catholic Church in 1920, and her legacy has inspired countless works of art, literature, and films over the century. Songs as, as well. 
the only downside with um jones legacy is that her image has been co-opted by like the far right of french politics really yeah it's kind of like the ego kind of becoming like what a version of that for american politics just like things that represent France, oh. liberty, liberty, yeah, so. You know, after they killed Jen, they threw her body into the Seine River. She, this is a three year campaign of 16 mm-hmm. to 19. How are you doing when you were 19? I was not leading armies into war. I'll tell you I'll that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> tell you that for free. Uh, the thing uh, I find it really interesting is that I remember recognizing Joan of Arc as like some type of heroic figure for myself as a as a young tomboy mm-hmm. when I was a kid I was a bit of a tomboy um, I can see that for you you can see that for me okay. 100% I was so rough <laughs> <laughs> but I obviously grew up with my brother and my cousins like I was just a little rough kid and I remember just thinking like yeah man Joan of Arc is cool to just just like however you want to mm-hmm. but apparently like there are a lot of theories about why she dressed as a man mm-hmm. um, a lot of it is because they thought it was probably because of function mm. on the battlefield 100% more functional yeah. <laughs> another yeah. thing is that they thought it would um, she thought or they thought that she could think that it would help prevent rape or deter rape yeah. or signal her as unavailable as a sexual object mm. for most of her life she actually didn't cross dress to hide her gender mm. she wore men's clothes but she was very she very openly presented as a woman no but she didn't even like wear men's clothes for most of her life like, oh okay like, I mean yeah you're right she was 16 to she 19 was 16. she was young yeah yeah like she just was like I'm going into war and she cropped her hair in a male fashion. Mm-hmm. And she was wearing their clothes. Um, she was also described as wearing like furs and a golden circles over her armor. Mm-hmm. So she was just like a pimp. <laughs> so now she's a patron saint of France. Yeah. France is a country that also gave us the guillotine. The guillotine. What a country. It was just like they were just killing so many leaders and badly performing politicians that they just needed something that was functional. Like, bro, we need to... We need to streamline this process. <laughs> All this beheading by swinging my... My shoulders getting tired. It was like just a Jeff Bezos of torture and decapitation. Yeah. And it was just like, how do we make this easier? And the guillotine is actually named after a man called Guillotine, but mm. he wasn't the one who even made it. <laughs> so was that's it, just was like the first person it Okay, it was named after the man who proposed it. Mm. But he was a death penalty opponent. Okay. He thought the other methods were just really grisly. Right. And so he, he was, was trying like, to make something you know as cruelty-free as possible? Yeah. That makes sense. So he persuaded Louis mm. the Sixteenth to implement a less painful alternative. Mm. So even though he didn't invent it, 
his name ultimately became an eponym for it and now we know it the guillotine by guillotine yeah but yeah he actually was against the death penalty can mm. I, I ask you this in, a, in one time when we did trivia about how the last person who was killed by guillotine in France was killed like in 1977 which is really recent. Recent, like but also Star Wars. Years, almost, almost fifty years ago. 40 45, 43 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. The seventies. We don't like growing I'm up. The seventies were like yeah. The seventies were like twenty years ago for me. But yeah. like now they're like fifty years ago. That's crazy. Age, <laughs> <laughs> age, 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 age. Yeah. Oh, that's frightening that you just said that. Mm-hmm. Um, yo, yeah, I tend to have a very open relationship with time and placing myself in like you know, myself like and the period I grew up in versus like all that hallmark periods. Um, let's go to let's get into some Amina. Amina, Amina Toro, or Amina as you like to call her. Okay. I don't know that. I don't even know how to. <laughs> yeah. Um. Queen Amina was a legendary warrior queen. Who, first of all, I just do not call her queen. What do you call her? King. Uh-uh. Hmm? She was an emir. Emir, okay. No, 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 no. I mean... I just feel like it's a loose translation, but it's probably not. It's not a good translation. What's queen? um, Emir to queen. Yeah, but she was the Magaji. You want me to call her... Magaji, yeah. Should we just call her Amina? Yeah. No, 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 no. We're talking about her being... um, I I find it tough when we use queen... um, for African female kings. What? Because queen usually is the spouse mm. of the ruler. Mm. So, I mean, I don't know. It's closer to a regent in the West. It's closer to a regent in the West, but she was the she was the Magajia. She was the heir apparent. Okay. She was an ultimate, like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but she wasn't married to a king. She she was a king. She was a top dog. Yeah, so we can call her, um, let's just call her... But you can just call her Amina. Amina, yeah. I like that. That's a very good clarification. So that's 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 what I was trying to... Yeah. Um, uh, that's, my, yeah. My, my brain... There was some hesitance just trying to process it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amina was a legendary warrior king... <laughs> call her queen yeah. for your peace of yeah, mind. I wrote it, that's why I wrote, wrote it. Yeah, no, yeah. you can write it as queen. No, you can actually say it as queen, but I was just saying yeah. why I was well, yeah. personally hesitant. No, but you go, because people obviously call her Queen Amina. Yeah. Yeah, not yeah so Queen uh, Amina was a legendary warrior queen who ruled over the, the kingdom of Zazao, mm. located in what is now modern day Nigeria during the 16th century. She was born into the royal family of Zaza and grew up to become one of the kingdom's most celebrated warriors and leaders. According to legend, Amina was a skilled fighter and a horsewoman from a young age. She was reportedly able to lead her own cavalry units into battle and was responsible for expanding the kingdom's territory through a series of successful military campaigns. Amina also was also known for her strategic alliances and diplomatic skill. 
she was reported she <laughs> and that's the thing like it's one thing to be a good fighter not many good fighters get into positions of power they just keep you on the roster like oh yeah this guy is good with his sword it's not going to get you far yeah but then when you're from a um, royal family and all your life you've been taught the art of diplomacy and reading people but you can also fight <laughs> That's, that's that's kind of crazy. Um, that's the difference between Jamie Lannister and um, one of these other grunts from Game of Thrones. Mm, it's he, the art of. Uh... Yeah, Jamie was a, he wasn't like bullish on war, but he wasn't a great diplomat when you think about it. He was not. I don't think so. No, he wasn't a great diplomat. He was charming, but he wasn't a great diplomat. I Ter- think... Tyrion was a great diplomat. Yeah, I think like. Uh... So what you're saying is that Nepo babies are good things. <laughs> Some of them. Yeah. Um, there is definitely like knowledge mm. that comes from being in your royal family. Yeah. Mm. And that you can't uh, pretend doesn't exist. Yeah. You can't pretend like it's something you can earn through grits and campaign and all of can, that. Can we do like a Nepo? A Nepo baby of Nigerian politics uh, episode because... I am very down. There's so many. And you tend to do bits. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting. You'd be surprised at how many prominent politicians and statesmen are Nepo babies. But we'll get into that another time. Um, I mean, yeah, so Amina was known for her strategic alliances and diplomatic skill. She reportedly formed alliances with neighboring kingdoms and established trade relationships with the European merchants who visited the region. This helped to boost to bolster the, comp, um, the kingdom's economy and solidify its position as a regional power. In addition to her military and diplomatic powers, Amina was also known for her efforts to promote the welfare of her people. She reportedly built a network of roads and forts throughout the kingdom and encouraged def- the development of commerce and trade. Today, Amina is remembered as a symbol of female leadership and empowerment in African history. Mm. Her legacy has inspired countless works of arts, literature, and you know, music, of, songs. They yeah, still sing her. Lots of songs. Her praise. A couple songs. of movies here and there. We'll, still, we'll, we'll figure that out eventually. You know. Mm. Um, she remains a beloved um, figure in Nigerian folklore and history. Now let's get into some weird facts about Amina. Yeah, because I, I was like, the animals haven't come in, <laughs> and I need. I yeah. need to know what happened no, with this, those animals. This, this was a deep dive because there aren't many rumors of... There aren't many rumors or legends about Amina. Uh, she's mostly known for her, inc- her incredible history when it comes to military accomplishments and leadership skills. However, there's one story that's sometimes told about her as an element of the supernatural. According to legend, Queen Amina had a special power that allowed her to communicate with spirits and seek guidance from the gods the power was said to have been bestowed upon her by a, a sort of consortium of magical animals. Mm. So at first it was a snake that she encountered during one of her military campaigns. She followed it and he took her it took her to like you know a bunch of other animals and then they bestowed upon her the ability to talk to the spirits. The story goes on specifically that during a battle, Amina came across a giant snake that was blocking her path. 
Instead of being afraid, she approached the snake and offered it food and drink. The snake, impressed by her bravery and generosity, revealed itself to be a spirit guardian of the land that communicated through a wide array of animals and it offered to share its powers with Amina. From that day forward, Amina was said to have the ability to communicate with spirits and seek guidance from the gods, which helped her become a legendary military leader and a legendary ruler. While this story is likely just a legend, it reflects the deep respect and admiration that many people in Nigeria mm. and beyond have for Queen Amina and her legacy as a powerful and respected leader in African history. That is Queen Amina. Yeah. So... It's also like, what I really like about the story is that while it starts with a snake, you know, like when you, when you think about like history, mm. uh, you know, folklore and all of that and stories, there aren't many good instances where women and snakes come together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to name anyone. Uh, I can't think of any. Really? Snake? Come on. The first story. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that really, really like... So it's it's that nice. really it's, escaped me completely. Yeah. And then when you said the first story, my brain it felt like my brain wanted to punch itself. Like, <laughs> I, how did you forget that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just nice to see like um a good snake? A good, not even a good snake, just like when there's this leader and it's African stories and you know it's being told to Africans for Africans by Africans. And then a snake appears in it, and it's not this treacherous creature. It's just a function of what is going to be someone's eventual legacy and greatness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, history is fluid, stories are fluid, expression is fluid, and snakes don't always have to be evil. Some of them are just, you know, mediums. I think uh, I find it interesting that um, Amina was queen of Zanzao and it was one of the original seven Hausa states. Mm. Um, the only other ones I remember is Gobir and Kano. Yeah. yeah. I think Dower. Yeah. This is a time when you had the Trans Saharan slave trade. You had a lot of slaves going from northern Nigeria to the North African, the Arab territories. Mm. I find it so weird. <laughs> but no matter how far back you reach in our history, somebody is trying to use us for something. Bruh. Like, it's... I mean, uh, so let me not soil International Women's Day with that, though. That's just a, that's just a random one. Amina was a conqueror of lands. She's a queen, she's a leader. She's a fighter. Did you notice the key, um, the connecting thread with all three of these women were fighters? No, I mean, they were conquerors. Yeah, what, what but the it's also they all had visions. Oh yeah, Joan yeah, of Arc, yeah, yeah. Aragon, Amina. Oh, oh my God, that I, was the main reason I brought all three. They of were them. visionary women. Yeah, but they had visions. Like they, they were, yeah. they were seeing things. Uh, and Jinga too What's used that? to uh, try and communicate with her ancestors. Mm-hmm. You say spirits, ancestors. Yeah. Um, and she was 
you're also a conqueror and a very interesting leader uh interesting take on spirituality yeah and um i i think like because we in the world today people focus a lot on religion and forget spirituality and the people who focus on spirituality sometimes try and just I don't know, turn it into like crystals hanging in your room or something. I don't know. I don't want to make light of anyone's <laughs> beliefs. But I think it is something to say that if you want to know where you're going, you kind of have to know where you've been. Mm. Both as a people and as a person yourself. And any people who know where you've been are your ancestors, isn't it? <laughs> and the spirits. The snakes. The snakes. The saints, the other animals, the saints. Isn't Saint like if Saint Michael, the person that gave Chernobyl the vision, Mm. his ancestor? No, anyway. True, true, true. What made you choose a topic um, on visions? Um, I've always found them particularly fascinating. Not just having them. I think having them, I think having them in itself is very interesting. But I think having enough follow-through to make them the basis of the reasons you achieve greatness is very special Mm. so it makes you wonder like you know about the quality of visions they have what was it what they see how did they feel and how did you lead them have you ever had a vision before no i think i've had weird weird dreams but like a vision i don't think i have have Mm. you have i had a vision no. Mm. You have um, a television though. I mean your house right now. I've seen like, I've seen like two TVs. Uh are you trying to tell the people I got money? Because <laughs> trying to lead the people astray. Bro, I've seen like two TVs here. You guys are eating good. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah no, I, I, I do have a vision for my life, I think. Mm. I think one of the causes of my depression not my depression for my mom here and she says no your depression is the depression <laughs> the depression <laughs> yeah like, if I tell my mom I, I was like oh my mom was like what's wrong I'm like oh, it's my allergy she said it's not your allergies it's the allergies you are just experiencing the allergies right now they are not yours in Jesus name <laughs> mm, she's right you can't, you can't take ownership of allergies <laughs> like, it's, like, it's, it's not my depression I think when your vision of your life um, is out of place with the life you are currently living it causes a lot of internal strife so i actually fully understand somebody if i got if like i have a vision of my life but i haven't seen a vision right like now let me say something if a snake pulled up on me now or a saint or a flash and bang lights i don't even know virgin mary came and said now this is what you should do best believe i'm gonna do that here like literally what i don't need any more confirmation yeah. i don't need any validation in life sometimes we do things and you're just like is this gonna work am i gonna fail is this the right doubts. step to take you have doubts you have fears um, i need validation from my parents or i need validation from my past self which is something else but if god came and told you Demter, pack up your bags and move to Ghana. Will you wait till Tuesday? 
did God did God give me a timeline or is it like is it, He's like to is, it, is it time sensitive or is it like I don't know. Yeah, if it's like go to Ghana, I'll be like. Do you have a sense of? I would move with obviously. I won't sense I won't, of urgency. I won't cruise him, so I won't be like ah okay. I'll go. I'll go in like two or three months. I'll go. But I think I'll give you like a week or two, get my affairs in order. Get your affairs in order. Yeah. What I'm saying is that you're gonna go, Sha. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You're gonna 100%. go. Hundred percent. No, I'm just not taking the next flight. Fno. Yeah. I don't know. Man. I want to have a good lineup. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Um. Th- thank you for this episode on visionary women. Um. Uh, I haven't talked. There's one more visionary woman I want to talk about. Who? Adesua. <laughs> well, into, I'm kidding. Adesua. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Asagi. <laughs> you got me there. Co-host of this podcast. You got me there. She's a very special lady. <laughs> and um yeah man. Tell she's me. going to like let's mark this episode. Come back to it in like a year or two. She's going to do some amazing stuff. And I think we're all really honored to be here for the ride. So let's just, you know, enjoy ourselves and see how it goes. This boy is going to make me cry. Don't cry. Please don't cry. It makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys next week. <laughs> I hope you guys have a lovely, lovely week. And thank you, as always, for rocking with us. Bye. Bye. <laughs>